Welcome to Angels, Demons, and the Apocalypse. It's good to have you with us. We are, uh, this is our fourth edition of Angels, Demons, and the Chronopocalypse. And it is. Uh, it's good to have uh, my co-host, Jimmy Charles, with us. Good morning, Jimmy. Good, good morning. afternoon. Good hey. evening. Well, that, good, good to be here no matter what time of day it is. I'm <laughs> happy to be here. And... Uh, it's good to have this program, a little outlet, um, as we're tied down a little bit with the uh, Corona Apocalypse. But uh, uh, my favorite uh, Corona Apocalypse uh, for this week is uh, on on Facebook. It said, uh, "Who knew that my three favorite hobbies were eating at restaurants, going to non-essential businesses, and touching my face." <laughs> Exactly. That is so right. I can't think of all. There's been several times this last couple of weeks where I've been making a concerted effort not to touch my face in different areas. Never would have even thought about that before. But um, yeah, I wonder if those, you know, some of these habits about washing hands more and whatnot, maybe probably a lot of that's good to do anyways, but uh, I'll probably tone it down a little bit. Um, you know, probably not do the hands wash right when I get to work and right when I'm leaving and all those things. But right, right. Um, just, yeah, a lot of measures we've taken here. Yeah, a lot of measures that we've taken. A lot of things uh, interesting. Um, I've heard that the governor has uh, said that Kansas is shut down until May 3rd. Wow. Okay, so that's extended out a little bit. I know, was it originally, was it, was it April 19th or... Um, I know that Sumner County was April 25th. I can't remember. Maybe that. Yeah, she extends the statewide stay-at-home order uh, to May 3rd. Okay. And I don't know uh, <clears throat> what that's. About. I know that there are a lot of people upset about that. Uh, but what I've talked with some medical people, and they said that the um, peak is supposed to be around April 28th or. You know, end of April, beginning of May. Yep. So that's probably what they're concerned about. I'm, I'm guessing. It is, and I, I was, uh, I was doing a little bit of um, statistics on my own, looking at um, the number of deaths per day. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. Yeah. And um, they, it looked, it looked like it kind of had leveled off for a little bit, but then today, one of the days they had gone back and adjusted, and, and it went from about 2,000 deaths, I think this was two days ago, to they readjusted that number to 6,000. Wow. So I don't know what that means, if they had just had some more data come in. So it is kind of hard to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm no expert, but it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen or when yeah. it's going to peak. Or yeah. I'm just not. And I think that it's the, it's the quickness of it. It seems to go so yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had cases here in our hometown, and uh, we've had cases uh, specifically with uh, some of our nursing homes. Nothing against our nursing homes. We appreciate our nursing homes. Yep. Appreciate our nursing home workers. We uh, praying for you. We're thinking of you. Uh, but that's just the nature of it. It gets with uh, elderly people, and yep. uh, I know that has been reported all over the news and. Uh, it's you know, true. so, uh, you know, we will, I don't want to be complacent about it because, you know, people are, have passed away and it's, uh, you know, it's not a good thing. So I don't want to be complacent, but I am a bit skeptical. 
That's fair. That's fair. I'm a bit skeptical of, uh, you know, I, I'm with these folks that want to get things started again. So Yeah, and we haven't seen, at least locally, we haven't seen incredible numbers that maybe that we were anticipating yet. Now, could that come? Sure. But as of now, I don't think the doctors even and, and hospitals in the Wichita area have seen that much of a load from this. They were preparing. They're preparing, But, yeah. but they, I don't think they've seen. And that could change. That could change, that could yeah, change within I, but, the next two weeks. But we haven't, we haven't seen the anticipated load yeah. yet. So I, I think that that's fair to, to be skeptical. Well, they said the warmer weather would help. It's definitely not getting warmer. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> April's been a cold month. It has been a cold month. It's been a, yeah, that was one thing when this whole thing started. It was gloomy that first week, and that made it even doubly maybe hard right. to process. And then right. the next week was so nice. That right. helped. But, right. yeah, I'd love to have some sunshine and warmer weather here. That would be very nice. But uh, So the question is this, and this is the big question, is this a judgment from God, or is this demonic activity at work, or is it both, or is it neither? Or, you know, this is the question that a lot of people you know, talk about, is this the judgment of God, or is this just demonic forces at work? Um, how do we view this, and how do we look at it biblically uh, when we think about why this is happening and what God is allowing, something like that? Uh, Jimmy, what do you got? I, I think that's a great question. I just, this is the first thought that came to me as you we started discussing this here, and in Second Samuel 24, yeah, David takes what's called a sinful census, kind of that story. Yeah, and at the beginning of that, in verse one, it says, "And again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and He moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah." So in that scripture, it talks about how the Lord was the one that was angry and arouse David. But if you go to the parallel account, this is just a thought I had. I think it's in 1 Chronicles. Um, 1 Chronicles. Here it is, 1 Chronicles 21. Verse 1, it says, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Hmm. So my point is, it's just interesting how you mentioned, you know, was it the work of the demons, the right. work of God? You know, it's just that whole idea that, that God uses the forces of evil to accomplish greater ends maybe that he has in, in mind, even though they have free will and are maybe acting for, for what's wrong and, and for our own hurt, for, for our hurt. Right. Um, and that, that also reminds me of the story of Joseph and his brothers, how they meant it for evil, but God meant it, God for, meant good. it for good. So that's just, that's a real quick answer and thought. Yeah, and I mean, the conundrum's been there since the book of Job, which many <laughs> yeah. believe is the first book of the Bible. Yeah. That's what many scholars believe, that Job's the first book of the Bible. And the conundrum's been there, you know, did God allow it? Did Satan do it? It's a, it's always a conundrum because I've, you know, I've found myself saying in this event to multiple people, I don't think God caused it. God allowed it. God's sovereign in it, but I don't think God caused it. And that's a, and even that statement could be debated maybe yes. by someone. I mean, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, really a tough theological issue. It really is. I mean, and I think that God is sovereign. I think going back to what we know about God that he is sovereign and that he is in control of all things. And uh, though he can't be tempted with evil, nor neither can he tempt any man, he does allow uh, what comes into our life. I I'm hasting back to Jesus' words in Luke 13, Jimmy. And that's where he says, uh, 
uh, well, chapter 13 of Luke says, There were some present at the very time who told him about the Galilean whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Yes. I say no. And no, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So right. it's he's saying, has God allowed or even caused? Like I guess you know we can debate that. Like you said, is God allowing? Is God causing? But he's saying these things happen to teach us about something, and that is we best repent. Yeah, exactly. Lest we all likewise perish. Yeah. Uh, anytime our frailty is pointed to us, the words of Jesus, anytime that we can see that death is going to be our end. We should we should repent. Yeah. We should repent. Yeah, that's right. Because we, I think we have such a tendency to look at other people or maybe to look at circumstances, like you say, is this judgment, is it not? But yeah, we should look at ourselves yeah. and say, even as Christians, you know, right. we know as Christians we're saved, we're going to heaven, but we should examine ourselves and say, where can I be closer to God? What judgment can I starts do? in the house of God. Exactly, amen. So we should be those who look to ourselves, and because um, death's coming to us all, unless, right. Je- unless Jesus comes again for his church, which could come any t- happen any time, as we've discussed on this show. Right. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great... Great scriptures about that. One of the things that we don't think about a lot, Jimmy, is the Bema Seat of Christ found in 1 Corinthians yep. 3. And, you know, the, the, you're talking about how we need to repent. And, and I think, you know, obviously you have to repent to get saved. Yeah. That's a change of mind, a change of direction. Turning to Christ. Turning from sin, yep. from self. From the direction I'm going, which is children of disobedience, under the wrath of God, under the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm I'm walking that direction, and then the Holy Spirit, all his work, but he convicts me, he draws me, whatever you want to call it, he calls me through either the preaching of the word, through me getting in the word, through a friend sharing the gospel through my mom and dad, teaching, whatever the situation would be. The Holy Spirit calls us, convicts us, and we have a change of mind. And that's that word repentance. It's a turning. It's a a turning around or a change of mind. And so when we talk about repentance here, Jesus can mean repentance, you know, that you, you need to come to Christ. You need to have that sort of repentance. But there's also still a turning in us as Christians that you're talking about. Yes. That we've yep. got to have a change of mind and say, hey, I'm getting caught up in things of this world. I'm getting caught up in things uh, of, of my own making. And I'm not, I'm not uh, putting Christ where he should be in my life. Yep. Giving him the preeminence. Lifting him up in my life. Making sure every day and every hour that I'm saying, hey, I want you to be glorified in my life. I want you to be the light of my life. Amen. Yeah. I think it's a sobering along those same lines. That's great. Um, you know, maybe we, maybe it's a tendency for Christians in America to think, um, to say that, Hey, look at everyone else that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe this, this is a judgment from God to wake America up. So people come to church and and turn to Christ and Hey, that maybe so. And that would be great. But, 
But in line with what we're talking about, what if it even more so is God saying, hey, church, right. you need to wake up. Right. You need to get in line. Yeah. Because I think that, that may even be more the case. Again, we don't know for sure. But but if the church, I think if the church does get in line more, then everything else will follow suit. And I want to encourage us with that promise because at the Bema Seat Judgment, <clears throat> which is not a condemnation, we agree to that. It's yeah. not a condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not a condemnation. In fact, it even says it's not a condemnation when it says that uh, because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that was uh, has anyone has built on the foundation survives, it will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So the idea that this is not a condemnation, we're not a condemnation to hell or a condemnation to the second death. Yes. But but let's be honest here. Here's what the Bible says. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Pretty sobering. And it says, each one's work will become manifest. Yes. So he does judge us by our deeds. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, it says that those not written in the Lamb Book of Life, the, the dead, those who are unsaved, they're judged by their deeds. Which is a scary notion. Yeah, it says they're judged by their deeds. Purely. for Yeah. Yeah. And then it says for us, even though we're in Christ, our deeds are still going to be judged at the beam of seed of Christ, whether it be a reward or what we've done. So as a church of Jesus Christ, we have to sober up and realize that, hey, uh, you know, there is a judgment, though it won't be a condemnation. We believe that. There's no wrath condemnation involved with yep. it. It is still a judgment, uh, and, and, and it is our works that will be true. And, and what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. How, what works are we doing for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. I mean, you know, you think about that. That also makes me think of, I think maybe it's an American thing. Maybe it's just a human thing. But we see, sometimes we focus so much on quantity. You know, like how much are we doing? How many people have I reached? And right. that's good. But right. when I hear that scripture also makes me think of quality. Right. You know, what kind of work are we doing? You know, right. are we building the, the word of God into people's lives? Right. Are people's lives really being changed? Are the people that God's given us to serve, to love, to shepherd, are we building quality gospel work into their lives? And all of us have been given a sphere of influence too, not just pastors, but right. parents. Right. I mean, it's just... Everyone has a, a, a flock in a sense, or at least someone they've been called to under-shepherd. You know, and, and that makes me think of, you know, being back in college, we all just wanted to win people to Jesus, which was great. Which is great. It is it great. It is great. And I, I need to get a little more zeal of that yeah. again. Amen. I need to get a little more zeal me of too. that. Me too. So I'm not putting that down. I think that's great. But here's the deal is we wanted to win all so many people, but then I can remember being convicted that, you know, going door to door and trying to lead people to Christ and then being convicted that, man, if I led someone to Christ, I shouldn't go out door to door the next week. I should go back to that person. Yes, that's right. And start doing some discipleship. Doing discipleship. Work. Yeah. Doing some, because it's not about, like you said, the quantity of my work. It's about the quality of my work. What is, again, I, I'm not against soul winning. I'm not against a, a preaching gospel. And I know you aren't either. We're, yeah. we're for that. But it's the idea of the quality of my work. What, yeah. what is just investing that time in someone else? Just investing uh, uh, the scriptures. Just uh, yeah. speaking the scriptures, you know, and and what that does uh, for people with the, when the spirit's in it and then the spirit's using it. Yes, Amen. I totally agree. I think that's a great 
A great thought. Um, I think we have to um, admit that um, God uh, does allow uh, Satan to uh, do things in this world, whether that's with Job, when he, Satan comes before Job, or excuse me, Satan comes before God, and God says, have you noticed my servant Job? And Satan says he won't serve you if you take away all the stuff. He won't, he won't be yours anymore. And Job is still his. Yes. And we never get an answer for why all that happened. And we may never get an answer for why this happens. Yes, that's right. Uh, you were talking about somebody who said to you about wanting an answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking for an answer. And you, I think we, you said. We don't have one. We, yeah. We don't know. We, we I, I agree. You know, really, I just, what I did in that circumstance, I just agreed with the mystery. I, yeah. I agree. I don't know what's going on or why. Yeah. Or, why. And that's the thing. I think that's really the place that a Christian needs to be as they grow in their faith and not saying I'm always there, but is that idea that we don't know why God does these things. We know he's good. Yeah. We can trust him to work. And uh, sometimes getting by that uh, desire to find out why is a big, is a good step in the right direction for people, whether it's with this or on an individual problem you're facing. I don't know what everyone's facing, but, but that question of why, if we can just step past that and, and, and think of who, to yeah. think of Jesus and, yeah. and kind of focus on that. And that's not the answer people want all the time. but And the why is often what Satan tries us to get us to focus on. Yeah, it is. Because when we go back to the garden and the serpent, and we find out that Satan is, why can't you do this? That's right, immediately. Makes why, him think, figure it out. Why can't you be like God? Yeah. What? what what's he all about? Yep, that's right. Does yep. God really say... Yes. Uh, and instead of just saying, hey, just trust God and his goodness, trust yep. his plan. He's got a plan for you. He's always coming back to this. And don't get me wrong. I don't think it's ungodly or sinful to ask why to God. That's right. I think I there are times where we crying out to God. And I think in prayer, we're saying, why God, why? And, and sometimes maybe he'll show us and sometimes he won't. Yes. And sometimes we'll look back on life and we'll say, oh, that's why. Yes. You know, as we look back on a certain uh, scene in our life or a certain uh, part of our life, we'll say, maybe that's why, because God was trying to teach me something. And maybe yeah. we'll see it. Yeah. Maybe sometimes he, I know he does that. But Abraham, he didn't see the seed. He didn't see. No. He saw nothing come about until he after. Not. None of that happened until after. Until what? Until Jacob, which is his. You know, his grandson. Yeah. Even having the 12 kids. Yeah. And so, you know, so there's just, there's so many things we may not know this side of glory. That's right. That's right. So, and, so many choice servants of God have not seen. God maybe have used, has used their ministry or their legacy or something beyond their life in ways yeah. they never would have imagined. But yeah. They never saw it. Yeah. You know, never how saw God, it. How God can use a person. And it's. And it's up to his good pleasure. It's up to his good pleasure. Well, the, the devil is a real person. He is out to destroy us. He is. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. Uh, interesting. We were talking a little bit about that word serpent. That's right. In the Hebrew. Which is seraph, right? Seraph, seraph is... Well, the, the word for serpent in that particular passage with, with Satan, I think, is a different word it's a different in Genesis word. 3. Thank you. But 
I think, for instance, the the serpents that are in, I think it's the book of Numbers, where yes. where Moses ho- hoists a bronze serpent on a pole. Yes. That is the um, Hebrew word seraph. Right. Um, so it's there are a couple different words in the Old Testament Hebrew for snake or serpent. The one in Genesis 3, by the way, I just looked this up while we were talking, is nakash. Nakash. That is the word for serpent in Genesis 3, 1 in that story. And that can that literally means a snake. Yeah. And the, But the word seraph is this word used in uh, the book of Numbers that you're talking about. In that story in, in Numbers, the, the, the people are disobedient. Moses is leading them. And God sends uh, fiery serpents. Is often, fiery serpents. Fiery is serpents is the way that's translated oftentimes, I think, into uh, the camp. And they begin biting people and people begin dying. And, and to, uh, God tells Moses to take a pole and put a bronze serpent on that pole, which, obviously, by the way, would have taken a little bit of time to fashion a bronze serpent. So it wasn't an immediate, uh, but pretty quick uh, remedy. Right. And so he fastened this bronze serpent to the pole and, and put it in the ground, probably propped it up. And, and anybody that looked up to that bronze serpent on the pole would be healed from their the poison and, and their the, the the poison would be removed from their body supernaturally. They would be healed and protected wow. from the serpents. What an amazing story. An amazing story which obviously points to Jesus Christ. Christ and he uses that in John chapter three. Yes. Right awesome. before the most famous verse of all time. Yes, John three sixteen. Uh, John three sixteen. Yeah. I think John three fourteen and fifteen are this about this story. Yeah. And so it sets up the context of how Jesus is going to be lifted up on the cross. And he's going to, if we would trust in him, if we look to him, he'll move this poison, this sin exactly. in our life. Yeah. What a just an example that the Bible's divine. Yeah. I mean, among so many. Yeah. What man would have thought of that symbolism? It's just a supernatural prophecy, really. Yeah. And that's Numbers twenty-one. I was one Numbers chapter 21. off. Numbers twenty-one is where the, that is, and that word case. is the word seraph. And a lot of times when we see the word seraph translated in the Bible, it's translated in a lot of English translations like a fiery serpent. Fiery serpent, yeah. There is some controversy about uh, Satan, whether you know his, whether he is really was just the snake figure. Um, I know that there's some different opinions about what Satan might look like. I guarantee you, he doesn't have horns, a tail. And a red cape. I agree, yes. <laughs> Don't know where that came from. I do. It came from the Middle Ages. came uh, from the uh, yes. Middle Ages. It actually came from Pan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, having the horns and uh, the snake maybe being the tail, like a pointed tail. Gotcha. The association of that, that Greek or whatever uh, mythological Mythological, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and this whole idea of, uh, of, of satanic influence. But... But, you know, that's the kind of Halloween Satan we see today, this kind of cartoon Satan with horns and a pointed, you know, pointed tail and a, and a red cape, yeah. you know, idea. But, um, but there is some, uh, some interesting uh, ideas about what seraph means, because then we see in um, Isaiah... Is it chapter 6 that is his calling? or That's right. Isaiah chapter 6. That's exactly right. That is the calling of Isaiah. And we see him having a vision of the throne. And there is one of the only times 
that this word seraph is not translated as fiery serpents. That's right. It's translated, it just, it's transliterated. It's not translated at all. Yeah. They just use it as seraphim. And from what I understand is that the, the scholars there did not want to translate that as serpents around the throne because that sounded a bit... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, fiery of, serpents might have not been as yeah, and, 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 fuzzy. And also the serpent seems to be what's related to Satan. In fact, John the Revelator calls him that old serpent. That's right. In, in, yeah. uh, in the book of Revelation. And so, but this seraphim, instead of translating it as snakes or fiery serpents around the throne of God, they translate it as seraphim, which is uh, this idea of these burning creatures, these burning ones. So yeah. they went more with the verb, this burning creatures. Yeah. So whether this was snakes around the throne of God that had six wings. Now, Fiery. a snake with six wings, what would we call that? I don't know. Maybe a dragon. <laughs> Breathing fire. Or maybe a dragon. That, that, and, of course, the devil is represented as a dragon. And the devil is represented in, as a dragon as well. In Revelation. And we know that in uh, according to the book of Genesis, uh, he had to start crawling on his belly. So this idea of a snake uh, without wings and without feet uh, could have taken place there in the garden. So yeah. very interesting. I don't that know is, what I think about that all. That is interesting. I think one thing I'm going to point out, and as Keith talked about all this very well, but just a simple statement in, in Hebrew for a masculine noun, to make it plural, you know, in English we just put an S, but in, in Hebrew they put im right. on the end. So right. seraphim, this is implied in everything that was said, but just, just to clarify, seraphim is literally seraphs. It's just right. a plural form. So yeah, just, just a double underscore, that's the same word. Same word. And uh, every, Same word used yeah. as fiery serpents exact, other places. It's the exact same yeah. word. It's just the exact same so, word. Interesting. Um, it is interesting. That yeah. is. And uh, what, what were the seraphim? Of course, we know that all sorts of creatures have been around the throne of God, not just the seraphim, but the cherubim. Cherubim, yeah. And the cherubim also uh, uh, were the ones that guarded the the entrance into the, uh, excuse me, that guarded the uh, Garden of Eden. Garden of yes. Eden, so that no one could come in or go out yep. of the garden. I guess I guess they did go out. I guess nobody's yeah, going out going anyway, back in. Yeah, go back in. Yep, that's and, right. And. Uh, and then we see these creatures around the throne of God that have the different heads, head of a lion, head of an ox, you know. Uh, Pretty incredible images. Yeah, so these are, so the, to, to say that these are not snake-like creatures, I mean, that we just don't We just don't know we that. We don't know, yeah. And it could be, and, and, you know, even the word angel is in the New Testament, it's uh, transliterated as well. It's the Greek word angelos. Which literally means messenger. Right. So when you see, and I think that it's fine that they transliterated that because it does. I, I can see God's hand in that for sure because it does give us an idea of a messenger from God as an angel. I think that that's just fine, by the way. Right. But it is a Greek word that means messenger. So these are literally messengers from God. We just have this notion in our culture that you know maybe an angel's a beautiful woman with long blonde hair and big wings, you know, and. If you look at the descriptions in the New Testament, usually it seems to be a man, a male right. figure, yeah, maybe a young man, but a male. Um, I don't ever remember it mentioning hair color, but usually in a white robe. Right. No wings are typically mentioned with those. Now, we know the cherubim and the seraphim have wings, but to, I haven't really seen any in the New Testament where those particular 
angels like Gabriel have even are said to have wings. Right. I mean, could they? Yes. But I'm just saying there's a lot of things we have notions about things in heaven maybe or, or angels we really don't know. Talk about mystery. Yeah, we just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. We don't just, we don't know. And, uh, you know, the, the devil obviously fell. He is a fallen creature. We know this. That, uh, you know, he wanted to be in control. That's what the Bible says. He has yeah. the pride. He, he wants to be like the most high God. And uh, he has fallen. And um, question there is when, too, but it makes me think, when? When did, when he, did fall? he fall? We don't know for sure. There's debate in the Christian community among really great Bible teachers yeah. about when that was. We just don't know for sure. We just don't know for sure. Some would say, in fact, some would put the, a whole gap theory. Yeah. Between verse 2 and verse 3 of Genesis. Isn't that right? That's right. And I actually heard just this last week, I was randomly listening. I don't necessarily subscribe to the gap theory. Right. But um, I think it's, a, I think it's, I personally think it's a fine theory. I mean, I, it's, it's biblical. Um, and I heard Tony Evans, um, who I think is a good Bible teacher right. on the radio this week. And he was talking about how the devil kind of had his day on earth to, this was his take on it to kind of make things work in a dark, formless void of a world. And then God stepped in and basically with creation. So I, He brought light into yeah. creation. So he was his, his idea, from that statement, I, I gather that his, he did subscribe to the gap theory and also that Satan had fallen before yeah. and that had was down on the, on the earth in a chaotic, I guess, status. And, right. uh, and anyway, so th there are good teachers that do think that. And, you know, that's, again, we go back to Pan, this, this Greek mythological character that's what he kind of was known for was chaos yeah and i think that's why he gets compared to satan a lot and his kind of form gets taken on the idea of a goat you yeah know how satan gets a kind of attributed to a goat head or a goat yep. uh i think is because chaos is what satan represents yeah and i while i don't believe pan is a real person i believe he's a myth yeah whether he's demonic or not, you know, yeah. that's another question we could, could talk about. Yeah, a demon about. could have masqueraded us at one but, time, uh, who knows. But uh, Satan is real. He's yes. a real person. And uh, that's the kind of the gap theory is that between verse 2 and verse 3 of Genesis, there is this large gap of time where the earth is in chaos, the earth is in darkness, and, and God steps in verse 3 and says let there be yeah and it's interesting yeah. that it's always that light is always what god proclaims yes that is interesting uh light is what god pro proclaims isaiah chapter 60 arise your light has come yeah shine forth the light yeah whenever whenever a, a, a god has comes back to his people or comes to his people it's always this idea of the light coming yep. through you know yep. uh Back in the, at the New Jerusalem, uh, it is, and we no longer have a moon or a sun. Yeah. Because God is our. I was just thinking about that. No night. Yeah. Just a God constant. is our light, and yeah. so God always introduces light into the into yeah. the situation. There's so many uh, analogies there of because darkness is where you know we get away with uh, we do our own thing. Yeah. And we, but when we're in the light of who God is, oh. That light, there's there's beauty, there's grace, there's goodness. Yeah. Um, there's just so much there to, to talk about. But, yeah, so that would be yes. one place that some people may think that Satan would have fallen before that start of the gap. Yeah. Yep. Kind of been in control during that gap theory. Yeah. 
and then having God step in at the at the light. Yeah, that's one place. Which is an interesting thought. I mean, that's a way to do it. That's a that's a, I respect that position. Um, I heard uh, a Bible the Bible Project guy uh, Tim Mackey, I think his name is. He uh, they do the Bible Project on YouTube and so forth and. Though I'm weary of a little bit of his uh, theology, I think he has some really good stuff sometimes. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, he talks about how he thinks that might have the fall might have happened right there in the garden because of that idea of, uh, of the Satan being the seraphim, this uh, fiery serpent. Yeah, and that he thinks that uh, he wants to take control over uh, now. Now again, that made that probably minus the gap theory in this opinion, but. He says he wanted to take control of creation right there. Yeah. And so therefore he falls. Then ba know. a battle ensues supernaturally after that, probably in the background. Yeah. Where the angel, some of the angels fell, I'm guessing. Yeah, where the angels fell or whether the angels fell in uh, Genesis chapter yeah. 6. Well, that, exactly, when they, yeah. When they started to lust after the women. Harken back to that. That's a yeah. good point. And then, uh, you know, by the way, the, the third of the angels falling, if you really... In Revelation, it's really a pretty obscure statement. I mean, I believe that's what it's indicating, but it's really kind of an obscure statement there about, um, he just talks about how the dragon sweeps a third of the stars from the heaven down with right. his tail. Right, right, And we, we, we understand that as being angels, and I think that's likely what it is, but it's still, I mean, a little bit of a, it's definitely a metaphor there, and it's not crystal clear. Yeah. So my point isn't to under, under uh, to bring anything into doubt that we, we hear in church, but also... There are some things in the Bible we don't know as much about as, as maybe we think. You so know? here's what we do know. We do know that Satan is a real person. That's 100%. We do know that he is active in this world. Yes. Um, and he has a... And I think that we definitely know from the Gospels that he has a group of demons that, that listen to him. There's some sort of... I don't know if we even know there's a hierarchy 100%, but it seems like there's some sort of hierarchy. But there's definitely a demonic... Uh, group or army of sorts that, that Satan, Satan uses and take take their marching orders from him. Yeah, and, and Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because you have an adversary, and your adversary is this one called the devil. Uh, he, he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul says in Ephesians 6, that we need to arm ourselves with the with the uh, with the armor of God. We need to put on the armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles, wiles of, the, of devil. the devil, which would be like uh, again fiery darts. Yep, can come in our minds. They can come through our minds. That that doesn't mean that every negative thought we have is from the de a demon or the devil. Right. But I will say that I think that um, the devil does shoot fiery darts out or a demon or whatever. And I can even say that during this uh, coronavirus issue, I've had some negative thoughts yeah. at times. I bet I, I, I would bet that other pastors have too yes. because we're away from more of our fellowship. Yep. And I think that it probably is demonic to some degree. Yeah. I mean, meant to discourage and, and, and hurt um, pastors. So if yeah. anyone's struggling with that, you're not alone right. in that. And, and, and recognize, maybe recognize that for what it might be. Take yeah. those captive. And uh, yeah. trust in the promises of God. And John says, the Revelator again says that there is this dragon, the, this great, this the old serpent. He identifies who it is. Yeah. So we know that this this is a person who's an adversary of God, 
again, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we're under the prince of the power of the air. He's active in this world, very active in this world. He's active with principalities and powers, yep. and he's active against us and against uh, trying to destroy anything of Christ. Yes. And then what else? We know that he's not omniscient. Yep. We know that he's not... Uh, omnipresent. Omnipresent. He's not, not omnipresent. omnipresent. That's interesting. It is, and that's a good about. point. That is. Now, he's a spirit, so I don't know what all that means, yep. but he's not omnipresent. And he's not omnipotent. He's not. And so we've got to keep this in mind that here's the question. Who's the opposite of Satan? Not God. No. No. God is not the opposite of Satan. The opposite of Satan would be somebody like maybe Michael, Michael. the Archangel. Yeah, that'd be your... Um, another thing is you're saying that made me think that, you know, Satan's like us in the sense of both us as people and Satan are infinitely less powerful than God. Yeah. Infinitely. Yeah. The gap is infinite. Right. So um, there's no, it's no contest. It's no point. contest between the omnipotent, omniscient. Yeah, the three O's. He's got Omnipresent God. Yeah. And the not omnipotent, not omnipresent, not omniscient Satan. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I say the opposite of Satan is not God. The opposite of Satan would be somebody like Michael the Archangel. Yeah. Who would be, uh, you know, if you if you talked about a hierarchy of angels, yeah. would be sort of the head angel, if you will. And Michael might be as powerful as Satan. We don't know exactly right. how. We know uh, it seems like from the scriptures that Satan is a very powerful angel, right. but we don't. I mean, Michael very well could be as powerful. So, yeah. um, so these yeah. are the things we know about Satan: that he is, he is, he is not the opposite of God. He doesn't have the power God has. But he is active in this world, and he is a person, and we also know that he will be uh, judged. And I cannot tell you, uh, Jimmy, how many people are surprised when I tell them that uh, Satan is not in hell right now, yeah. kind of in charge of hell. Yeah, making he, sure the coffee's cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> making sure that, you know, and, and it's Farsight, and I love Farsight. I laugh my head off at yeah. Farsight. But he's not this guy pushing people around. With a pitchfork. You know, and, and, you know, going to the library with all the short stories. Yeah. You know, you remember those old far side? Yes. You know, another short story. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, he's not, uh, uh, he, he, he's not this guy in charge of hell. Hell is the punishment for Satan, for yeah. the devil. And that's, a, isn't that... Correct me if I'm wrong, but scripturally, isn't that the the, the original meaning, uh, reason that hell was created, or at right. least was to punish the devil? For the devil and his, his angels. angels yeah. yeah. And and then we can join him as people if we will refuse God, if yeah. we will reject the gospel. Yeah, if we we'll, don't we'll, come to repentance. We, we will go, exactly. We Coming will, back to what we were talking yeah, about earlier. We, can, we, will, we will join him in that place of torment. Yeah. As will the Antichrist and the, the false prophet. Yeah. And so... Uh, we get this again from Greek theology, Greek mythology, not theology. <laughs> from Greek mythology, we yep. get this idea of Hades, who's lord of yeah. the underworld. And so, therefore, Satan's this kind of in charge. Yeah. Of, no, he's going to have the worst punishment. In yeah. And uh, he's going to be judged supremely. And so, yeah. so, the good news is this that he's, he is a, now the good news is not that he's a person, but he is a person. Yep. He is active in this world. How and, and and at what time? I, I don't know all yeah. those answers. I just know he's very active in this we, we world. We believe very much he so, He is yes. a spirit. Yes. 
He cannot be everywhere. He does not have all power. He doesn't know everything. And he is for certain going to be punished. And his punishment is actually the lake of fire, Revelation chapter 20. Amen. And uh, And we know those things. And we know those things. Yeah. And so, so there are things that we do know that uh that we can get from the scripture when he fell yeah whether he was already a dragon or a yeah, serpent exactly. before not as important either yeah, and you know i know some people say he's a minister of music maybe he had horns coming out those of him. Are, yeah exactly those are all not horns as in horns uh, for the goat but horns <laughs> as in the trumpets yeah. and things like all, this. all conjecture all conjecture yeah all, all conjecture um great points you know he's a deceiver he's the father of lies mm-hmm um, he masquerade, can masquerade as an angel of light. Oh, wow. I mean, these, that's an important point. There's, so, there's some other things that come to mind uh, as well. Um, he, uh, you know, the Bible also says that no one will say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and if someone's going around, you may disagree theologically, theologically with other Christians, but if someone's proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, that's a, that's pretty strong evidence that they're of God. Yeah. Now, that said, there are people that use the name of Jesus that are, I'd say, cultic and are off track. Yes. The, the key there is that's a whole other topic. But yeah. what do they mean by Jesus? Who's the Jesus Who's they're the talking about? Defi- Who's the Jesus of yeah. the Bible or exactly. is that another Jesus exactly. of their own making? Define the terms. But, yeah, but, yeah. The, but the, that's great. I mean, if the, the characteristics you listed off about the devil, if we as Christians know those, we can have victory. Yeah, I believe so. It's interesting to think about... Um, God's final victory, and uh, he is going to set up his new Jerusalem, and we are going to be a part of that. Jesus said when he left his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. You you just did a funeral, Jimmy. Yep. These are words that are encouragement to us. They are. Very encouraging. Because we need to know that... Um, I mean, we can know, excuse me, we need to know, we can know that we have eternal life. We talked about that in the funeral I did. We talked about in 1 John 5, how it says uh, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is a sure knowledge. And I talked about this gentleman. I said he made a lot of decisions in his life, but the most important decision he ever made was to put his trust in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's so obvious, but yes. And I'm hoping that during this time of coronavirus and us not being together as a church, and us not coming together, I'm hoping that some of the information that's getting out there and, you know, technology, you know, I'm sure Satan does use a lot of technology. Yeah. I know he does. And, but I'm hoping that there are some good things yes. going out that people can hear the gospel, can hear the word of God and can respond. And then what, as we said at the beginning, can repent. Yeah. And, amen. I think that that's happening. And I think that we need to pray about that. And I think that um, I would love to see us come back to church and have some other people come back with us that Amen. came to know Jesus that want to, and we need to be aware of that too. If we know of people around us that have been moved by God through yeah. this and they're not in church, let's invite them. Yeah. Like we talked about discipleship. Let's say, Hey, if God's working on your heart, why don't you come to our church or why yeah. don't you know, we need to, um, so hopefully, or start um, a Bible study. Yeah. Start a Bible study with them. Maybe that's, maybe that's the next step. Maybe yeah. even before the church, inviting them to church, you can start a Bible study and then, then draw them in, you know. And I'm not trying to lift you up or anything, but that's exactly what you did with the guest we had a couple weeks ago with Jake yeah. Wright. Uh, got saved. Yep. And you said, hey, let's just have a Bible study. Exactly. And you met with, met together with him a Bible study. Now he's, yep. you know, God's used that in your life, and God yep. used that in his life, and and uh, Jake is pastoring a church in 
Carthage, Missouri, and God can use yep. those things, those simple little things. Simple things. That God can use in such a great way. The one thing about Jake I always remember is that I really wanted to help someone grow, and I tried with a couple other guys, and it didn't work out too well, but I prayed to God that he would send me someone that he had worked in, that he had changed, that was really that's hungry. That's and that's when I met Jake. So that's the key. That's one of the big keys to – one of the keys to uh, – disciple making if you will i think is you know find someone that god sowed the seed in ask him to lead you yeah and if they're hungry and they know god and they've been born again they're going to want to grow that's right and your job's a joy yeah. as you help them you know amen. amen well listen here's the gospel the gospel is that jesus died for your sins that he was buried that means he was really dead he died he was buried and that he rose again so that you could have eternal life. Rose, rising again to prove that he was God, Christ, that he was the Christ, he was God's Messiah. To prove that he's the Son of God and that he is God of very God. Um, and to show that he is our King and, and is going to be coming back. And so uh, if you believe this with your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, and if you will repent and come to Jesus Christ, Christ, God will save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you just call Amen. on him today, he will save you. So we encourage you to Amen. do that. Hey, look up our other, uh, uh, what do we call this thing? Podcasts? Podcasts, yes. Yeah, look up our other podcasts. You can see them. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on uh, Google. Uh, we're on YouTube. Leave us a question. If you've got a question about Satan, if you've got a question about angels, demons, if you've had an experience with any of these, yeah. uh, please talk with us. Leave us a question. I'd love to be able to talk with you about that. And uh, blessings to you. We're hoping that you uh, continue through this uh, period, this crazy time in our life. Yes. Uh, this uh, coronavirus. This and uh, we'll see you next time on Angels, Demons, and the Apocalypse.